Shalom, this is Abigail Rock. Welcome to TanakhStudy.com. Today we begin Parashat Miketz. Last class we ended off with Yosef in, remaining in prison while the butler had forgotten his commitment to Yosef. Today's class takes place two years later. So those two years Yosef has, has spent his time in prison. At the end of last class, we had suggested that there's no particular reason why Yosef had to remain in prison. Perhaps that was just God's plan uh, for whatever reason it is that the, the years of plenty and years of famine should not begin until two years later. However, for those who are still very much disturbed by the fact that Yosef remains in prison, I do want to address uh, Rashi's interpretation, who says that there is a punishment here for Yosef for relying on the butler and not relying on God. That is a difficult explanation since man is required and expected to make efforts to help himself. And therefore, I want to suggest that the sin is not that he relied on the butler, but rather when he relies on the butler, he does not recognize that the butler is a God-sent messenger. He did, never, never does he express in his request to the butler, while requesting him to speak on his behalf to Pharaoh, to, that this perhaps is part of God's plan to get him out of prison. And therefore, he is, uh, pun he is punished by having to stay another two, an additional two years in prison. So, as we, as we said, Parashat Miketz begins two years later. And let's begin chapter 41, verse 1. It was two years later, and Pharaoh had a dream, and he is standing on the bank of the Nile. Verse 2, I'm going to read now the next following three verses, which are describing Pharaoh's first dream. The dream begins, verse 2, with the word vihine. We already have seen that word several times. It's a word we said that is very common in dreams because it shows the element of surprise. The dreamer never knows what to expect, and there's always bizarre things that he dreams of. So that's the vihine. Out of the Nile, seven fat cows, seven good-looking fat cows come out, and they pasture in, a, in the meadow, in the ahu. The ahu is a word that it's used today in modern Hebrew. In biblical Hebrew, it's not found anywhere else other than here, and perhaps it's an Egyptian word. So even if we don't know exactly what it means, it's a grazing area by the side of the Nile. Verse 3, following the seven fat cows came seven other cows. These cows were bad-looking, thin, and they stood by, by the side of the first cows on the river, on the Nile bank. Verse 4, the, fat, the thin cows, the thin, bad-looking cows, had consumed, eaten the seven good-looking cows, and Pharaoh woke up. Pharaoh goes back to sleep. Verse 5, Pharaoh went back to sleep, and in his dream, vihine, seven heads of grain that are healthy and good were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted. These other heads were thin and scorched by, east, by an eastern wind. The thin heads of grain, of grain swallowed up the seven healthy, full heads, and Pharaoh woke up, and behold, it had been a dream. Verse 8. 
ויהי בבוקר, ותיפעם רוחו, וישלח ויקרא את כל חרטומי מצרים ואת כל חכמיה, ויספר פרעה להם את חלומו, ואין פוטר אותם לפרעה. We mentioned several times that in ancient times a dream required an interpretation. There is the schools of dream inter- interpreters, and a dream without an interpretation was a, a letter that was unread. It wouldn't, it, it wouldn't come to fruition without the interpretation. So the next morning, verse 8, ויהי בבוקר, ותיפעם רוחו, וישלח ויקרא את כל חרטומי מצרים ואת כל חכמיה, ויספר פרעה להם את חלומו, ואין פוטר אותם לפרעה. following morning, he was shooken up, and he calls all the Khartoumim of Egypt, and all their wise men, and he tells them their dream, and there is no one who can solve them to Pharaoh. If, if anyone has access to all of the wise men, and to all of the dream interpreters, is Pharaoh. How come there is no one who can solve them to Pharaoh? Unlike in the story of the baker and the butler, when Yosef approaches them in the morning after they had dreamt and he sees they seem aggravated, and they tell Yosef, verse 8 in chapter 40, the baker and the butler tell Yosef, We had dreamt a dream and there's no one here to, and there's no, inter, there's no one who can interpret it. There we said there is no one means literally there is no one there. to no one there available to interpret because in prison with them there are no dream interpreters here when it says the ain potero tanla paro it doesn't mean that there is no one there to interpret there are plenty of people who can interpret but there's no one there who paro likes their interpretation we come across here for the very first time the word khartoum khartoum most commentators explain is an egyptian word it's the occupation of dream interpreters it is suggested however that this word khartoum The word cheret in Hebrew is to engrave, and the chartumim would decipher the dreams based on the engraved hieroglyphics. So they knew how to interpret the dreams by following the code of the hieroglyphics which were engraved. So that's one of the interpretations of the word chartum. Another interpretation is based on the, on the Assyrian language. The word chur in Assyrian is to see, and tum is something that is... Um, Atum is something that it is, cannot be seen. The word atum in Hebrew is, the word atum is opaque, you can, is untransparent is atum. So khartum is he who can see that which cannot be seen. Okay, in any case, back to verse 8. He wakes up in the morning, vatipa'em rucho, his mind is troubled. The word vatipa'em comes from the word pa'amon, which is a bell. His mind, his, his mind is ringing inside. And he tells his dream to the interpreters, and there's no one there who can offer an interpretation. A question that's still there in the background is how come there is no one there to solve his dreams? Of all these hundreds of dream interpreters and khartoumim that he has, how come no one can solve them? Sar HaMashkim then pipes up. Verse 9, Verse 9, the butler speaks up and tells Paro, I meant today, I mentioned today my shortcomings, my sins, my offense towards Paro. This is, it's written in the plural. Why in the plural? What are the two offenses? One offense we know is the fact that he 
had sinned towards Paro, and he was put in prison. He would rather not have to mention the fact, not remind Paro that he was put in prison, but he needs to mention that in order to explain where he met this Yosef. The other offense shortcoming that he's going to mention, that he's forgotten what Yosef had asked him. And then he goes on to describe the past. In verse 10, Paro was angry at his two servants, and he put us in Bimishmar, in the house of custody, in the house of Sarhatabachim, myself and the baker. The butler is going to mention the baker several times for two reasons, and they're both important reasons. Number one, his offense does not seem so bad when he, when he mentions the baker, because the baker's offense was much worse. So when bringing up something negative about himself, that he had offended the king and was put in prison, he makes sure to always mention the baker, who was much worse. The other reason he needs to mention the baker is from the, the fact that Yosef was correct about the butler's dream is not enough to prove that he has an outstanding ability in interpreting dreams. However, the fact that two dreamers who had very similar dreams, and each one, and he gave each one an exact opposite interpretation, that would prove of his ability to solve dreams. Verse 11. We each had a dream in one night. Myself and him, the meaning the baker, each of us had dreamt a dream that, that warranted an interpretation. And there with us was was a nar ivri, a um, a, he, a Hebrew servant, a slave to the sar hatabachim, and we had told him of our dreams, and he had interpreted us our dream. Each each according to his dream gave them a personal interpretation. Rashi observes here the derogatory language that the butler uses towards Yosef, a slave, Hebrew, servant. And the butler continues, verse 13, And indeed, as he had interpreted for us, that's exactly what had happened. I was restored to my position, and he was hung. When Paro hears this, his response is verse 14, Paro summons Yosef. They quickly rush him from the pit. He, they, they shave him. They change his clothing, and he comes to Paro. Here we have to address several questions. Number one, what was it that the butler had told Paro about Yosef that convinces Paro to? And he, Paro immediately rushes to get Yosef out from the pit. I mean, I'm sure there were many other Khartoumim that had solved correctly dreams in the past, so why just hearing a story of success is, uh, is a reason to go bring this, uh, of all people, Yosef, who is also a Hebrew and also a, a prisoner, also one who is uh, accused of trying to rape the wife of Sarah Zabachim, to bring him to interpret the dreams? Perhaps we should address this question with the, with the earlier question that we had asked, and that is, why does Paro reject the answers of all the other dream interpreters of the Khartoumim? And I want us to zoom in on two, three words here. In verse 8, Ve'en poter otam le Paro. They, Paro does not accept their interpretations. Why would Paro not like his inter their interpretations? How would Paro know what's a right, what's a correct interpretation, what's an incorrect interpretation? Paro is not a professional dream interpreter. Ein poter otam le paro. Paro has a feeling that the dreams that he had dreamt are relating to his 
to the empire are relating to him as a king, not to Paro, to Paro, the individual. The Midrashim bring many different interpretations as to what was it that the Khartoumim had suggested that Pharaoh didn't like. One of the ideas that they suggest is that they said uh, that the Khartoumim said you'll have seven daughters, you'll bury seven daughters, and so on. Those are personal interpretations. A Paro felt that this was a dream connected to his leadership. The Nile is the Egyptian resource, is the symbol of Egypt. And if this is and whatever he dreamt, he felt this is not a personal individual dream relating to him, the the person, but rather relating to him, the king of Egypt. They interpret the dreams as an individual, but not to him as a pharaoh. When Paro hears that Tsar HaMashkim's dream was interpreted by Yosef, and there he sees Paro's role as a king, and that he recognizes Paro within the dream of Tsar HaMashkim and Sarafim. Perhaps that's what compelled Paro to try to bring in this dream interpreter, who, who might be able to interpret the dreams, where Paro has a role as a king. In addition, perhaps what convinced Paro here to bring in Yosef, the way the butler describes the dreams to Paro, it sounds like they had very similar dreams. It sounds like we almost had the same dream. One night, the same dreams. And yet, he knew how to give different interpretations to each of the dreamers. Here, we have an opposite idea. The dreams seem very different, and everyone's giving different interpretations, and perhaps Paro does have the sense that this is one dream, and he's looking for someone who can tell the difference between when do two similar ideas seem different and when do two different ideas seem identical. Be it as it may, he, he summons Yosef Min Habor. Notice that the prison is used in many different names. In last class, it was called Beit HaSohar. When Sar HaMashkim refers to the prison, he doesn't want to call it the prison. He just uses it the house of custody, which is more neutral place. When Yosef is taken out of the out of the prison. It doesn't say they, they took him out of prison. Rather, Vayeritzu min habor. That's the way of the text to tell us now he's finally getting out of that original pit he has been thrown into at the beginning of Parashat Vayeshev. From the time he went to Parashat Vayeshev, he went, kept on going down, down, down. He went down into the pit. From the pit, he went down into Egypt. In Egypt, he went down again into another pit. Now he's finally leaving that, leaving the pit. And when he's leaving this prison, he's not just leaving the prison here. He's finally raise, rising up to greatness from the original pit in which he was thrown into. Noble people in Egypt were clean shaven. So here he's coming to appear in front of the king. They shave him. He was wearing slave clothing, prisoner clothing. He now had, now that he's about to appear in front of the king, he changes his clothes. And of course, us, the readers who have been following the concept of clothing from the beginning of Parashat Vayeshev, when we read this, we immediately are reminded of Yosef who had worn his ketonet and then had his ketonet ripped off from him. Yosef would give up his clothing when the wife of Potiphar grabs onto his clothing now he puts now he gains new clothing this is the the clothing are really telling uh, telling a story the story of the change of Yosef Yosef if Yosef's clothing represented his haughtiness at the beginning represented his him living up the dreams now after he had done tshuva for that in the house of Potiphar when he had been willing to give up everything willing to give up his status, willing to give up 
everything that he had, that he had built for himself in the house of Potiphar, and not to do something in, in order and not to sin. Now we come full circle, and Yosef is dressed with new clothing, which is very significant in the development of the character of Yosef. But not only is it a story of tshuva, it's also telling us that though, though the brothers think that they are tearing, tearing the ketonet, getting rid of the ketonet, that which is God's plan, you, one cannot um, simply tear away. They tore away a ketonet, and instead he receives the royal clothing. And Yosef comes and appears in front of Paro. Verse 15. Paro tells Yosef, I had a dream, and there is no one here who can solve my dream. And I have heard about you, that you can understand the dream, and know how to interpret the dream. Verse 16. And Yosef responded to Paro and said, It's not me, Biladai. It's not me. God will answer Paro in peace. There's a strange word that's used here that's not clear, and the commentators discuss the meaning of this word. When Yosef tells Paro, Biladai, Elohim Shlom Paro, what does that word Biladai mean? One interpretation suggests for the strange word Biladai is it comes from the, it's a combination of two words. It's a compound word, which means Bal Eod, enough, no more. Paro had just complimented Yosef. I've heard of such great things about you, to which Yosef answers, Bal Eod, enough, no more compliments, I must speak. Similar to this idea, the Ibn Ezra also suggests this is a compound word, and he says, I heard, Paro tells Yosef, I heard all these great things, which says, Bal Adai, it's not me. Bal Adai means not from me. It is God that gives the answer. It's not from me. You give me too much credit. It's Bil Adai. And finally, now we get to the part where Paro is going to retell the dream to Yosef. Now, when we study together the story of the wife of Potiphar, we mentioned that it is very interesting to see when a story is repeated and the variations of the, of the repetition. So in the story of the wife of Potiphar, it was, the story was repeated there three times. Once the objective story as it happened, then has she tells, when she retells the story to her, the people of the household, and then when she retells the story a second time to Potiphar. Here, too, we have a story that is going to repeat it, be repeated, once it's told by the narrator, the objective story, and then it's repeated to us from the mouth of Paro. It's verse 17. In my dream, I'm standing on the bank of the, of the Nile. And behold, out of the Nile come seven fat cows, very good looking, and they are pasturing in the, in the reeds. Following these following the seven first cows came seven other cows. These were skinny, bad looking. I have not seen in the entire land of Egypt such bad looking cows. And the seven skinny, bad-looking cows had consumed the seven first, the seven fat cows. They ate, they consumed them, 
and nonetheless it was wasn't noticeable that they had consumed and they looked just as bad as they did at the beginning and i had woken up verse 22 paro continues so, and in my dream, I see seven kernels of grain roaming in one stalk, and they are good and full. Vihine, following them, are seven skinnies dried out by an east, dried up by the eastern wind, had grown right afterwards, and, and the seven thin ears of corn had swallowed the seven healthy, good ears of corn. And I told this to the my chartumim, and no one can tell me what this means. So let's just observe some differences between the dream as the narrator tells us, which is when Paro actually dreams the dream, and the way Paro retells the dream to Yosef. One interesting thing to point out is in verse 19, he says, I have not seen such bad looking cows in all of Egypt. That's his interpretation. Now, he didn't dream that, obviously, but he, that, I, I, I believe he brings that comment is because that's what he found most astounding to have skinny cows in egypt that was very very strange to him another interesting difference is in chapter 41 verse 3 after the seven fat cows go out of the nile the seven and the seven skinny cows come out it says they stand side by side it's not that the that they that immediately the skinny cows consume the fat cows but there's some time that they're standing side by side and when he retells the dream to yosef he doesn't mention the, the fact that they were side by side for some amount, some period of time, rather than immediately following the seven fat cows were the seven sk skinny cows who had consumed them. There are other differences, slight differences. I think that these two are the most significant ones, which we'll have to see as we read the interpretation. What is the what is the meaning of that? What what is the meaning of those differences? And now Yosef begins his interpretation, and the same questions that we had with the interpretation of the butler and the baker's dreams we'll have here and that is is the interpretation a divine interpretation or is it just a great highly developed wisdom of Yosef he's very much attuned and skilled dream interpreter with the siyata dishmaya health of God but it's not a prophecy delivered by God Abar Benel just as he says with the butler and the baker says likewise says here that it is um, prophecy and this was and that's how he knows the interpretation however most of the commentators hold that this was not prophecy he just has great understanding which we will see as we read his the interpretation verse 25 a very valuable piece of information that Yosef gives Paro is the fact that Paro's dream is one dream. And this sentence is enough for Paro to know that Yosef is reliable. Because one of the reasons Paro does not accept the interpretation of the Khartoumim is that they all viewed the dream as two different dreams and Paro had the feeling that this is one dream. How do we know that Paro has a feeling this is one dream? So first of all, if you, we go back to verse 4, following his first dream it says vayikat paro he paro woke up following the first dream and he goes vayishan vayachalom shenit and he dreamt a second now it doesn't say he dreamt an additional dream it seems he's dreaming a second and at the end of all this verse 7 at the end of both dreams it says paro woke up vayikat paro vihine chalom 
that vihine chalom is referring to both dreams. He woke up and he has a feeling this whole thing was one, was a dream and one dream. In addition, in Pasuk Chet, in verse 8, when he tells the interpreters the dream, it says, et It doesn't say that Paro is telling them his dreams in plural, but rather Paro is telling them his dream in the singular. Paro has the sense that this is one dream. And later on, when Yosef comes to Paro and meets up with Paro, in verse 15, Chalom chalamti ufoter enoto. He said, I had a dream. And there is no one who can interpret the dream. So it is very clear to Paro that this dream, though it might seem as two different dreams, is one dream. And that's one of the things that he, that he it seems that he's most bothered by with the interpreters is that they're suggesting two different dreams. They are ve'en poter otam. They are interpret, give, offering different interpretations for each of the dreams. And he recognizes that this must be one dream. And that which was most disturbing to him is what Yosef starts, starts out with in verse 25. And that's, all, that's the first thing that Paro needs to hear to know that this guy is reliable. And then Yosef continues, This is the other part that was bothering Paro. Paro is disturbed by all the interpreters who view the dream as personal here he here paro hears what he wants to hear this dream is connected to him as a paro et asher elohim let's continue verse 26 we we already learned this in parasha and the end of parashat veyashev in the dreams of the butler and the baker that the number is a tricky part of a dream. And uh, from what we, the, the Midrash that I mentioned earlier, that the Khartoumim were interpreting seven cows, you'll have seven daughters, and you'll bury seven daughters, and so on. They all have a problem with the number seven. But Yosef already had learned from the experience with the baker and the butler that seven is a time period, is an amount of time. The fact that fat cows mean plenty and skinny cows mean famine, that can make sense. Um, but what is the what is the number seven? That's a difficult aspect, and that's what Yosef learns in uh, in prison that the number means is time, and famine is not seven days. Famine is not seven months. Famine, what makes sense, is seven years. Sheva parot tovot, sheva shanim hena, v'sheva shibulim tovot, sheva shanim hena. The seven good cows and the seven good uh, good grains are represent seven years. Chalom echad hu. And they both represent the same idea. And continuing, the seven skinny, bad-looking cows and the seven thin ears of grain dried out by the eastern wind are going to be seven years of famine. Verse 28, This is what I have been telling you all along. That which God has pl has planning to do, he has shown to Paro. So the structure of Yosef's speech, first of all, he interprets the he interprets the difficult aspects. Number one, the fact that he says it's one dream. Number two, that the number the number seven. And now he's going to go into detail. What is it that God is showing Paro? Verse twenty-nine. Behold, great plenty, seven seven years of great plenty will be in the entire land of Egypt. 
פסוק ל', וקמו שבע שני רעב אחריהן, ונשכח כל השבע בארץ מצרים, וכילה הרעב את הארץ. Following the seven years of plenty will be seven years of famine, and the plenty will be completely forgotten, and the famine will destroy the land of Egypt. ולא יוודע שובע בארץ מפני הרעב ההוא אחרי כן כי כבד הוא מאוד. ועל הישנות החלום אל פרעה פעמיים כי נכון הדבר מימי אלוהים וממהר האלוהים לעשותו. If it's the same dream, why does the same dream appear twice? Repeating the same idea in a dream twice is a way of showing that this is going to come Upon very fast. Verse 33. And now Paro should find a wise and intelligent person and appoint him upon all the entire land of Egypt. Verse 34. Paro should appoint overseers on the land and he should make sure that the land is probably preparing itself during the seven years of of plenty. In what way should they properly prepare? They should collect during the seven years of plenty all of the food and they should gather them under and overseen by Paro. The food should be collected and kept. Verse 36. The food that we have collected will be the food that we're going to keep for safekeeping for the years of famine. And, and that way the land will not be destroyed during the famine. Verse 37. This seemed good in the eyes of Pharao and in the eyes of his servants. And Pharao tells his servants, will we find such a person who has a spirit of God in him? Okay, so now that we've read a, quite a long unit, now let's go back to interpret what's going on here. After, after Yosef initially gives offers the initial interpretation of what the seven and the seven mean, the years of plenty and the years of famine, he goes on to give uh, advice. Verse 33, Here now Paro should appoint a wise, a wise, intelligent man and appoints him upon the land of Egypt. It's clear that Yosef is referring to, in, referring to himself. And several of the commentators point out here that this might have been out of place. Paro asked you for interpretations. He, doesn't, he didn't ask for advice. When an interpreter is supposed to give the interpretation, not, not, not beyond that. And here he goes on to give the advice. So it could be looked, viewed upon in a positive way that Yosef understands that this is his way to get, to get out. He's 30 years old in the story. We're going we're to find out in just a moment that he's 30 years old when he stands in front of Paro. For the past 13 years, from the time he had the dreams of back at home in Canaan, he's been trying to figure out how exactly are his dreams going to be fulfilled. And now, as he's interpreting to Paro his dreams, he realizes, this is my opportunity to make my dreams be fulfilled. This is my cue. This is where I'm supposed to step up. So when he says in verse 33, he's interpreting his own dreams. This is, this is where I come in into these dreams. This is where I fit, but this is where my role fits in. And he's already imagining how this whole story is going to end up with him being second in command to Paro and his brothers who are going to be affected by the famine are going to come down to him. That's perhaps one way 
of interpreting it. Um, nonetheless, it takes a, a great deal of courage to put uh, being a slave and putting yourself out there offering your services to Paro. According to Shaddam, we mentioned this earlier. Paro strongly believed that this is a dream that he's that he's that was revealed to him, that this dream was revealed to him. So, for the benefit of his of his nation, and therefore, with that understanding, Yosef. Continuing that interpretation, why why is it that God is revealing this to you? God is revealing this to you so that you can do something about this, which is exactly what Paro wanted to hear. He had a feeling that this is has national ramifications, and it, he's revealed to it so that it's something that he can do to help his country. According to Ramban, this is not added information that Yosef is offering. In addition to, it's not a bonus. You know, I, I, I'll, this, I'll throw, I'll throw this one in for free. I gave you the interpret, I offered you the interpretations, but now I'll give you a little bit of advice. According to Ramban, the advice that Yosef gives is actually the interpretation of the dreams. In the dreams, he sees the seven skinny cows eating the seven fat cows. According to Rashi, that meant that you will forget about it. They're going to be gone. It's going to be forgotten. According to Ramban, no, the seven skinny cows are going to eat. That means the seven years of famine are going to be supplied by the seven years of fat. And this is not advice. Ramban says, Einena eitza. This is not advice. The king did not appoint him for to be, to be an advisor, only to interpret the dreams. And this is an interpretation of the dream. What is the interpretation of the seven fat cows eaten by the seven skinny cows? The seven skinny cows, had they not eaten anything, they would have just died. Says Ramban. They don't die. They are sustained. They don't. They're not going to be. They're, they're not going to become uh, fat. But it's enough to sustain them, and that's what he interprets here. This, this is what's going to happen. They're going to um, the seven fat cows will sustain the seven skinny cows completely. Now, one last question that we have to ask about these dreams: if this, if it's two dreams that are that mean the same thing, and all they mean is that it's going to come fast, why not just have the same dream appear twice? Why switch from the, from cows and metaphors of cows in one to grain in the other. So one possibility is to show that the fam there's going to be a great fam that's going to affect both all that's going to affect all the animals and all the grain. Um, and another interesting idea, which suggested by Rav Amnon Bazak, and that is that the reason we have two dreams is that each of the dreams really represents uh, different case scenarios. The first dream that he that Yosef dreams of the seven fat cows who are consumed by the seven skinny cows and did not make a difference as Paro interprets it. Lono Daki Balkirbena represents the scenario that's going to happen if we don't if nothing is done. If we just leave matters as is. If we don't take if we don't come up with a plan, that's what's going to happen. And that's what Yosef expresses later on in Verse 29. Behold, seven years are are coming of great plenty in the entire land of Egypt, followed by seven years of famine, and the entire plenty will be forgotten and Mitzrayim will be destroyed. That's the scenario that's represented by the first dream. The seven fat cows who eat the seven the seven skinny cows who eat the seven fat cows and Vatavonal Kirbena Velono Kirbena and they're consumed and no difference is seen on the seven fat cows. That's if we don't come up with a plan. The seven years of plenty are gonna be completely consumed and forgotten by the time we reach the seven years 
of famine. However, if we do come up with a plan, and that is if we, in verse 33, if you appoint someone who is wise, someone who will take the initiative, and someone who will see, the, who will see into the future and come up with a great plan, then he will collect all of the grain. And that relates directly with the, with the dream of the grain. We will collect all of the, all of the grain, and the, and, the, and the grain is going to provide for the following years. And that in the second dream, that the seven healthy years of grain consumed by the seven thin ears of grain and only there it doesn't say that it their power does not say that they did not show any difference presumably they did look different once they consumed it they were healthier and what yosef is saying if we come up with a plan then the seven years of plenty the seven years of plenty grain of the good grain will be consumed in during the seven years of famine and there, we don't have the additional Vilono Dakibal Kribena. It doesn't say anywhere here that the, uh, th that the grain remained thin. Presumably, it did not remain thin. Therefore, what Rav Amnon Bazak is suggesting, basically, is the reason we have two dreams, even though they represent the same idea, is there are two scenarios. Scenario one, the scenarios of the cows, if you don't do anything and we just leave things, this is what's going to happen. You'll have seven years of plenty, then followed by seven years of famine, and... And the seven years, by the time you reach the famine, the seven years of plenty will be completely forgotten. In Yosef ends, verse 33, Yosef concludes his advice, Paro should, uh, find, should seek a man who is wise and intelligent and appoint him upon the land of Egypt. In case um, Yosef might have overstepped his boundaries by saying that Paro should appoint someone upon the land of Egypt, he modifies himself in verse 34 and says, no, you, Paro, should do this, and you, Paro, should appoint Pekidim upon the land. Vichimesh at Eretz Mitzrayim, that word Vichimesh, Vichimesh reminds us a little bit of the word five, so according to uh, some, it means he should collect a fifth of, the, of everyone's produce as a tax, if until then they would collect a tenth, a tenth, it should be, it should make it into a a uh, fifth. Lechamesh, according to um, Shadal, is nothing to do with a fifth. It actually comes to Chamushim, which means to be armed. He should prepare. He should arm the land of Egypt so that they could be well prepared for the seven years of famine. And what should these, the, he should appoint Pikidim, he should appoint overseers, verse 35, and these overseers should, these overseers should collect the food during the good years, and they should, um, it should all be in Paro's treasure, treasure houses that he will prepare for this, and it should be collected and guarded, and it should be collected for the purpose of the future. And it should be for the purpose of saving it later on for when it is needed use it for when, later on when it is needed during the years of famine which were going to come upon the land of Egypt so that the land the the people of the land will not be destroyed during the famine and this seems fit in the eyes of Paro and the eyes of his uh, of his servants 
And Paro here turns to his servants in verse 38, Can we find such a person who has the Spirit of God within him? Now, of course, Paro knows that he could find one. This person happens to be standing in front of him. Ramban points out that since Yosef is a well-known Hebrew and the Hebrews were despised by the Egyptians, he does not want this to come from him. He wants the, his servants to be in agreement in, in appointing him. It's nice that he says, can we find a man who has the Spirit of God within him? Yosef, who has been talking about God, God has a, God will, an, will answer you. Biladai Elohim yane. God has, what God has shown you, God has, uh, this is going to happen quickly by the hand of God. And here too, now Paro begins talking about God. Hanim ish asher ruach Elohim and for several reasons, they they believe him. They believe him because he comes up with a plan, and they believe that God would. Paro believes that God would not have shown him a dream if it wasn't for a purpose. And here he has he, it is for a purpose so that he could save the economy in Egypt. They believe him for the same reason the butler and the baker believed him because when he's not he, when he says that it's going to happen, he's not talking about something that's going to happen way up in the future. He says the famine is the years of plenty are going to begin now. And so both Paro and this and his servants believe him. Verse 39. Can we think of a man who has a spirit in God like you? And with this we end um, today's unit. Tomorrow we will continue in um, Yosef being appointed as a uh, as second in command to Paro. But we've now met we've now been following Yosef over thirteen years. Yosef's Yosef he develops in character from Yosef, who does not mention God, who is full of himself, who is haughty, to the Yosef who now stands in front of Paro and attributes all of the credit to God. Yosef, not only is he um, is he now a skilled dream interpreter, and not only has he had a change of character, we also see a third development of Yosef, and that is Yosef from being a simple shepherd in the land of Canaan, Yosef is an eloquent speaker in front of kings. That he learned over the years that he spent in prison, in the royal prison. So everything that Yosef went through had a purpose, and now he is ready for his next calling in life, for his next role to be second in command of Paro, which we will begin, please God, in tomorrow's class. Shalom.